Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Matthew chapter 6, you, you may have already noticed looking at Matthew uh, chapter 6, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, and it's not uh, in its entirety. And uh, I had a professor one time tell me, uh, Jonathan Kim, he said, uh, coverage is the enemy of learning. Uh, and so I decided, man, I'm going to tailor this thing back to two verses, and hopefully it will set the trajectory for the rest uh, of how we pray when we ask God for the things that we need. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, when you've got it, shout, I got it. it. Uh, If you're able, please stand on your feet as we read the scripture together. Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The very words of scripture. Amen. You may be seated. My house is close to the L. And so my son, uh, he loves to go for walks, or at least it's the one thing that you can do with him where he'll stay in one place and not need to, like, you don't have to, like, go find him or something, right? He's not getting into anything. Um, And so we we live right by the L, and so the L comes past the train for the out-of-towners. The train comes past uh, all the time, right? And so when we go for walks, I've gotten so familiar. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally one block away, so I got so familiar with the train that sometimes I forget to point up to show him uh, little train man, this, this is the train. You see the train? Uh, and then there's a, a metra that comes past. So, you know, that's the train that goes by real fast. Um, and I try to pay attention when I hear that one, it's a little bit louder. And I try to pay attention when I'm taking him on walks uh, to point out that uh, the train is right there. And uh, the reality is we live so close to the train uh, that I hardly ever even notice that it's there. Um, and so sometimes he pay any attention himself because he's so used, uh, used to hearing the train. And uh, another baby will, will be there, and all of a sudden this other baby, my son is cool, but the other baby starts to, to scream and uh, gets frightened. And uh, if you've ever had a one-year-old, you know that you feel like you're in an endless game of charades, right? It's this endless game of charades because they can't actually say any real words. So you're just like, it, did you poop your diaper? Are you just smushing around in, in the diaper? Do, do you need a bottle? Uh, man, it, are you teething? Like, does he, does he, need, does he need his binky? Like, like, what is it, man? What is it, right? Uh, just over, you're just g- going through your mind, all these different things, and you're in the endless game uh, of, of charades. Uh, and yet then I, I realized that, wait a second, it's not that there was a dog that walked past and they got scared. It's not uh, that they pinched themselves on something. It's not that they pooped their diaper. It's that we're a block away from the train, and they're not used to the train. And yet, because my son and I, we live right by the train, 
we hardly ever notice even when it comes by. And somebody might say to yourselves, like, how in the world can you hardly ever notice something that sounds like it's coming through the wall? And yet sometimes you get so familiar with things that even something that's as powerful uh, as, and loud as the train, uh, you, you, don't, you don't realize that it's there. And sometimes we ask ourselves the question, how, how do I have this incredible spiritual experience? How, uh, how, how can I meet face-to-face with the living God? Can uh, do, do I need to go to uh, a special thing where somebody lays hands on me and, uh, and, and, and prophesies over me? How uh, do, do I need to go to the centeredness in my meditation? Maybe, uh, maybe, I just need to, uh, maybe I just need to have this, uh, this journey where I go on a trip by myself and, and, and I just hike up a, a, a mountain. Maybe that's where I will have this deep, unending spiritual experience. And yet, what if I were to tell you that the most powerful experience that you could have, maybe the most powerful words that would lead you to that spiritual experience, you're actually very familiar with. It's almost like the train. It's right there, but you you forget about it. And that's what I think happens when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. Tim Keller actually says that the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, uh, it may be the most quoted continual set of words in the history of the world. And yet it is so familiar that the essence of the power of it, the possibility of it, meeting face to face with the living God, Sometimes we just miss out on it. And so Jesus, uh, as, as his disciples uh, ask him, as he's gone up on the mountain, the, this sermon on the mount, and he's talking to his disciples, uh, they don't say, Jesus, teach us, uh, teach us uh, how, to, uh, how to put all the right words together. They don't, they don't say, uh, Jesus, teach us how to fast. They say, teach us how to pray. So that's exactly what I want to talk about this morning. How do we pray? Uh, how do we pray? I just got two points this morning. The first uh, I want to look at uh, is our Father, and the second I want to look at is our sinner. Our Father and our sinner. And, and the essence of what I want to do is that I want to show that how when we get these things oriented correctly in our hearts, how those things then shift the request that we have from God. How do we pray? How do we pray? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and for your kindness towards us this morning, even on this uh, rainy, sunny Sunday morning. Uh, we thank you, God that we're able to gather together, that we're able to worship you. We thank you, God, that you gave us another day, that your mercies are new uh, this morning. Um, and so, Father, I pray as we get ready to share your word that you would open our eyes to see magnificent things that are in it. Uh, 
Holy Spirit, it is to that end that I am available to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Now, uh, because this prayer is such a popular set of words, uh, the significance of the particulars of the specific words can sometimes uh, get a little washed out. And Pastor Derek talked to us last week uh, about how not to pray, right? And uh, it, it said, the text said, uh, that we should not be like the hypocrites. And, uh, and the idea of the hypocrites is the idea in the ancient world uh, of actors. And in the ancient world, uh, if somebody was to play a role in a play, uh, essentially what they would be able to do is go backstage, change masks, and play a different role in the same play. And so in essence, the, uh, the, uh, the, the care that, God, that Jesus is trying to articulate to us with how to pray is this idea really of authenticity. Come, come to God in an authentic way, not, not having to put on for other people or uh, for other people to think that you're spiritual, all of those different things, but come uh, bearing your soul in that way, right? So he says, pray then. Like, so before there is any petition, before there, there, is, uh, there is any request, Jesus tells us to address God the way he addresses the Father. And it's interesting that these are the very first words. He, he calls us to rush into who we are and who God is on the basis of us coming to God in Jesus' name. It, it is uh, it is, he says, to recollect our situation and our standing before God. Uh, it is, uh, uh, it is uh, to recognize that, and, and we use this language every Sunday. Every Sunday we talk about us being children of God. Every Sunday we talk about us being uh, sons and daughters uh, sons and daughters uh, of God, right? And, and we can be kind of flippant about that language and think, man, that's a nice saying. That's a nice way to think about it. But theologically, there, there is something in reality that has happened to us uh, that is something that we receive as a free gift of grace. Uh, I, I know uh, the urban poet Tupac said, Derek, uh, only God can judge me, Right? Uh, and, and, and sometimes we look uh, at our lives and we say that or we get it tattooed on our forearms and we say only God can judge me. You can't judge me. Only God, uh, only God can judge me. And the reality of all of our situations is you're right. God could judge you. Uh, you're right that when you look at your life and I look at my life that we uh, have been people who manipulate situations for uh, them to work out for our favor at, at, the, uh, at the neglect of how it's going to affect other people. You, you are right. God could judge you uh, for the way that you've lied uh, and that you've cheated. You, you're right. God could judge you for how you've built your life on things other than him. He, he could judge you for the way uh, that you've trusted in things that he created uh, to bring you lasting. You're right. God could judge you. And yet by grace, not because you've done all the right things, not, not because you dotted the I's and crossed the T's, not, uh, not because uh, you, uh, you have uh, walked an aisle and prayed a prayer, but solely on the basis 
that the God of the universe saw your plight and said, I'm going to do something about it. Solely, solely on the basis that God himself incarnated himself, stepped into humanity, uh, lived among us perfectly, kept the entirety of, uh, of the law perfectly, died in your place and for your sins, that in response to that now Solely on the basis of the simplicity of trusting in what God provided, the perfect life, the sacrificial death, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Now you're united to Jesus and you can call on him the way he calls on his father. He says, our father. It is, it is. It is to start to rush in that prayer, to, to rush in the beginning of how you call on his name. Hallowed be your name. And you see, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, you need to ask for forgiveness to call him father. That's later on. He doesn't say, you have to wash yourself up a little bit and get yourself together and, and do a quiet time and, 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 and make sure that you walk old ladies across the street and, and, and make sure that you, you call your mom before you go to sleep. He, he doesn't say all of that. Because it's not on the basis of your performance that you get to call him that. It's on the basis of Jesus' performance that you get to call him that. So before I rush to anything, I, I got to reorient myself and my soul to the reality of what's true of me, not on the basis of anything that I've done. He says, our Father who art in heaven. He goes on to say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, now this phrase can kind of be confusing to us because uh, we don't use it in modern English, and uh, the logic sounds a little weird. Like, are we asking, like, isn't God's name already holy? Isn't, isn't God's name already uh, set apart? And, uh, and the answer is obvious. Yes, God's name is holy, and, and, and uh, his name is set apart. But the key in the text is the word name. Uh, it's the word name. In, in, in the Old Testament, the third commandment, is, uh, is to not use the Lord your God's name in vain, right? And I know your grandma said you better not use Jesus Christ's name unless you're praying, boy. I, I know that your grandmother said that, but, uh, but it's deeper than that. Uh, the, the idea, even within the Ten Commandments, right, God sets the people of Israel free uh, from captivity and bondage, and then he makes a covenant with them so that they would be in relationship with God, and he would be in relationship with them. But God is holy. Just like he said, hallowed be thy name. God is holy, and so uh, th there is sort of a, a way that you've got to go about living your life if you're going to carry my name. Uh, and, and so the Ten Commandments uh, really are a set of commandments that says, uh, y'all, if you want to be in relationship with me, this is how I roll. This is, how I, this is what it means to be holy. This is how you're to treat me. This is how you're to treat other people. That's what it means to be holy, is to not carry his name 
and not operate in a way that honors him. So don't go around telling everybody, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and, and then you lie on people. Don't go around telling everybody, I'm a follower of Jesus, carrying the name of Jesus, uh, and, and you're a manipulator. You're, uh, you're a gossip. You're, you're a person who slanders other people. No, if you're going to carry the name of Jesus Christ, then you've got to honor his name with the way that you live. And so when he says, hallowed be your name, it's really a petition for God to reorient my heart in a way that honors him in everything that I do. It is, it is so, so that when people experience me and they know that I carry his name, that they experience me in such a way that now they want to call out on his name. It is, uh, it is a way for, for God's name to be revered and honored as holy in the way that we live our lives as a reflection of who he is to the world so that now holiness or hallowedness uh, of God's name begins to permeate everything around us. Hallowed be your name. And one of the ways, one of the ways that doesn't happen in our hearts One of the ways God's name isn't honored in our lives is we lack a gratitude for the things that he's already done in our lives. So if you're always thinking about what's next, if, if, there's, if there's a rushing in, in your prayer to say, God, this, I, I need an upgrade, I need, a, I need the next level, I need, I, I need the next blessing, I need the next thing, before you say, hallowed be your name, it's like saying, God, I want some stuff because I'm not grateful for the stuff that you've already given me. There's some things that I need out of life that you haven't provided for me and I don't care about the stuff you've already done in my life. So he says, he says, God, allow us to honor you for who you are in light of who you are with gratefulness in our hearts for what you've done and who you are and the very fact that we get to call you. No prayer list yet. God, orient my heart to what is real and true about who I am and who you are in my life. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10. This is our center. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, you would be right to note that there is a future eschatological 
uh, element to this particular part of the prayer. In other words, uh, it is to say, uh, as Scripture teaches, as uh, it is pointing forward that, that God has promised because uh, of the finished and perfect work of Jesus Christ that he is restoring and renewing all things. And now we and his actual return. And uh, the way that uh, that Scripture points to heaven is not us floating on clouds and uh, playing harps uh, and singing worship songs all day, uh, but, but it's actually because when God created the world, he said it is good. When, uh, when, when he first created earth, when, when he first uh, breathed and, and uh, his breath of life into you and me, he said it is good. And so what God is doing is that through Jesus Christ, he's restoring a way for God and his literal presence to exist within humanity without sin. So what the scripture points to is this future reality where we won't be floating on clouds playing harps, singing worship songs, but heaven and earth are coming together. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and, and, and yet, when it comes to praying this prayer in the middle of what he's going to do, and what he's already done, it is to pray, God, let your kingdom of justice and righteousness and peace rule and reign in Chicago as it is in heaven. It is, God, uh, allow me to be uh, a, a person who carries your name in such a way that your kingdom uh, is experienced and expressed uh, in Chicago, in, uh, in Palm Springs as it is in heaven. It is, uh, it is to, uh, to carry God's name in, in such a way uh, that in Memphis, Tennessee, that, uh, that God can be honored and heaven uh, can come to earth in such a way that his will uh, is impressed on Memphis. It, uh, it is to ask for God's kingdom to permeate in the midst of this right now place because there is some already stuff and some not yet. And yet at the same time, when it comes uh, to our hearts, and this is one of the things that I think that you can uh, recognize, is the layers of meaning just in these two verses, the layers of possibilities of prayer. When it comes to us individually, it is a prayer for your will to be done in my life. God, there are some desires that I have that aren't always aligned with yours. Actually, oftentimes, God, there is some stuff that I want out of life and how I want it and when I want it uh, and, and what it's supposed to look like and the plan that I have for the future and the things that I, I, I want to do and, and, and the purpose that I want out of, out of my life that oftentimes don't line up with God's will. And so it is a petition that the desires of my heart and my life, would God align themselves with your desires and your will for my life, what you want out of my life, uh, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done 
uh, in us as it is in heaven. Psalm 37, 4, and, and, and I know somebody, uh, somebody you're sitting here and you're, you're saying to yourself, but, uh, but Steve, doesn't God uh, call us to ask, uh, ask him for stuff and, uh, and give us prosperity and, and, and calls on him to, 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 to ask him for the things uh, that we want out of life? And I would tell you that there's room for you to ask God for stuff. The scripture says to rush to the throne of grace with boldness. And yet at the same time, before you rush to the throne of grace with boldness, you've got to orient yourself to say, God, your will, not mine. Uh, And and, and so, Steve, doesn't doesn't the scripture say God will give you the desires of your heart? It says God will give you the desires of your heart. But you missed the first part of the verse. Psalm 37.4 says, yes. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It is to orient yourself to God's will, so much so that what you want out of life is his will. Or Pastor Derek talked about it last week from John 15 and verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It is to allow the word of God and the will of God to so orient your heart uh, that, and, 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 and here's the, the reality of this idea of, of abiding, it is, uh, it is to experience the fullness of God's grace in Christ and, and, and the fullness of what it means to be sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ uh, through faith, that on the other side of it, I then pray, God, I want your will. Uh, it is, it is, in, in, in my words, abide in you. If, 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 if my word orients your heart, then ask what you will. It'll, it'll be done for you. I didn't get married until I was 32. I didn't get married until I was 32. So that means that's 14 college students. That's 14 years of my adult life uh, where I, in my mind, I... I I did whatever in uh, in the Christian subculture is. I kept myself for for God and uh, and, and all of that kind of thing. And uh, and I was I, I learned very early on in, in my discipleship process that uh, you know you you can't uh, you can't let everything happen in life. Like God gives you uh, the ability uh, to have agency in things, right? Um, and so I realized, you know what, a, a, a fine Christian uh, woman is not just going to show up in my life and all of a sudden there's going to be a halo and I see it. You know, that's the way Pastor Derek tells his story, but that ain't the way I tell mine. Um, and, and sometimes God is just that gracious, right? He'll slap you over the head. Uh, but, but 14 years, right? So you got agency. That, that, means, uh, that means, Christian uh, brothers, that there, there, is, there is times where you got to shoot your shot. You got to reject passivity. And I, I still don't, I, I don't quite understand it now because I think people are thrown off if you ask them out on a date in person. I think that's like, now it's like that's too forward or whatever. Um, and so you got to do the DM thing. I don't, like, I'm old now, so that's just the reality of the thing. Um, but, but anyways, I, I mean, I have, I shot my shot a few times, right? Shot my shot, and boy, it was like Sandy Lyle and along came Polly. It, it just, y'all, y'all need to go see that movie. But anyways, 
it was just like brick after brick after brick after brick. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, God, God, look, I've been loving, living for you, following you. I, I have uh, honored you in so many different ways in my life. I, I met this girl. She's a believer. Uh, she's following Jesus. And, 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 and I'm striking out everywhere. Every turn I got, I'm striking out. And I don't understand it, right? And, and I, I particularly recall there, there's been a couple of times when I just really specifically prayed, God, I'm serious. <laughs> no, I'm for real. Like, I, God, I'm done playing. I'm, I'm not playing about this, man. And I'm just trying to express my heart to God, right? Like, listen. Listen, I'm, I'm very, 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 very serious about this. I've thought it through. This person, they love you. They're committed to ministry. You know, everybody ain't going to be a pastor's wife or don't want to be a pastor's wife. Uh, God, they're, they're, uh, they want to be on mission. They, like, share their faith and stuff like that. And, and why, why it just doesn't work out. And um, this, this is a different sermon for a different day. But I think that when you come to faith in Jesus, that instead of, um, instead of totally saying, God, you are the centerpiece of my life, and I look at the idea of a romantic relationship with someone else as a supplement to that relationship or uh, a a um, a support to that relationship or a blessing to that relationship. The romantic relationship actually becomes the end all be all. Some of y'all remember Jerry Maguire. Do y'all remember Jerry Maguire? Okay. Gabe remembers Jerry Maguire. There's a fame, anyways, just, just for the college students. There's a famous line that Tom Cruise says in Jerry Maguire. He says, you complete me. You complete me. And, and, and you get, in, you get into the, the rom-coms, and, and what you fail to realize is that over the course of time, your idea of what makes life, like, worth living is this romantic relationship. Can I bless somebody? You got complete when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. And then you, should the Lord bless you? And he's blessed me. It's been a blessing. But I was complete those 14 years when I was single, praying for God to do something. In Is that we pre present possibilities of romantic relationships without realizing that we're praying for someone to replace God.
And God in his kindness listens to you over and over and over again. Pray and ask him to replace him with other things. That's neither here nor there. That wasn't, that wasn't, the, that was for free. <laughs> but this, this is something that Tim Keller says in, in New York City has a big impact on uh, the way I think about some of these things. But uh, he says this, and the words will come up on the screen. God answers our prayers exactly the way we would want him to answer them if we knew everything that he knows. God answers our prayers exactly the way we would want him to answer them if we knew everything that he knows. My mother had a stroke in 2018. She passed three years ago. Uh, it'll be October 27th of this year. Um, and I, I, I've told you this before, but I, I had uh, a ton of people praying uh, for my mom to get better. And initially, uh, she really did for uh, probably the first six months of uh, probably first four or five months of uh, post having a stroke, uh, she got, gained her mobility back. Uh, she, uh, she had a little weakness in different places. She could still have, uh, she was herself though, and she could have full conversations. Um, and kind of in the, in the process of having all of these different people pray, um, and, and really we're believing God for a breakthrough. We're believing God for, uh, for something uh, to happen. And, and on my end of experiencing it, I was kind of like, man, God is going to use this in such a way to get my mother's attention, um, and, and this is the way that we're going to be together. Because my mother and I, we, we had a really good relationship, um, and, uh, and it was the opportunity. She was living in Indianapolis. Now I had moved her uh, to Chicago, and I had all of these details that I had to manage, though. I had, and if anybody knows me personally, I'm not administratively gifted, so this was a lot. Um, and so you got, you got details to manage in terms of uh, of uh, health insurance and, um, and you know, applying for uh, Medicaid and all the, the details that go into that, in and out of skilled nursing, um, in and out of rehab hospital, how she's going to get better faster, how's the fastest way that, that she can get better, how do I serve her, and, and then on the other side of it too, like, uh, mom, I need help, I need other people, I need you to allow other people to help me, and, and, it was sort of like she was a very private woman, so she didn't, she didn't want uh, other people. And, and, and Mama Marilyn was with me in Indianapolis uh, in, the, in the hospital uh, as, she's, uh, as she's recovering. And, and we get her up here, and, and things are, are getting better and better. And I'm trying to encourage her uh, to, to take her therapy seriously so she uh, can think about getting a new job. Mom, what, matter of fact, you've been working jobs you ain't never liked in your life. Let's dream new dreams for life, right? What do you want to do in this next season of, of your life? Um, and hundreds of people praying for her to get better, um, and then she has another stroke. And so we, we get her back to, uh, to the hospital. Um, she's having really bad headaches for some reason, and now all of a sudden the, her right side, she can't, it, it won't work. It won't function. Um, and so we're praying, and we're praying and, and expecting God for, for a breakthrough. And I'm just asking God, and, and I remember she, she was in skilled nursing, having terrible experience in skilled nursing. And, and just for me, it's just like we were so enmeshed that when she was really bothered by something, it like put me into like a panic attack. Um, and, and so I, I remember like praying, and I think I share this too, like I thought I was going to get in a fist fight with a nurse at a skilled nursing facility. And my whole ministry, they don't, D, 
They're going to find I'm for real. I'm for real. I grew up on the west side. Anyways, but all of that is going on, right, in the managing of, of the situation. And uh, we get her in this, uh, the, back into Shirley Ryan, which is one of the best uh, uh, physical therapy hospitals in the country. And, uh, and she gets a little bit better, a little bit better. And her whole goal was to come home. And so I was excited about that. We got her home. Um, and then it quickly you realize, like, my, you, you can't, there's too much that you can't do on your own. Um, and then so I had to have this conversation with her that, that maybe it was best for her to go back into skilled nursing. And I watched her cry. And it was like, it was devastating to me. And, and so Chris and I, my, my, my wife and I, we're getting ready to go to church. Um, and my mom, like literally I'm having this conversation with my mom on Sunday morning. And, and we're going to have like some family pictures taken. And she's trying to tell me uh, about not being, like not waiting on the dog too long. Like if, if the dog tries to not want to be in the pictures, just let him not be in the pictures, Right. That's just how she was talking. And uh, I said, Ma, I, like, we don't have to bring the dog. It's fine. Um, and so we, we go to church, and we come back. And, and you have to think, I'm praying, uh, I'm praying for a breakthrough. I remember when we were in skilled nursing, I had Chris Davis come and preach for us at the church, one of, one of our mutual friends. And uh, my, mom, uh, my mom, Chris asked my mom, how, how can I pray for you? And she said, I want you to pray that my right side gets healed. I want you to pray for that healing. And so Chris lays hands on her. Um, he's praying over her um, for her right side to be healed. Um, and so we, we come home and hundreds of people praying and praying and praying and praying. Um, and her passing away. Right. It's just 10, 11 months of difficulty waiting on something to turn the corner. And I come home from church that Sunday, and she's gone. No explanation. I didn't even know what happened until we did an autopsy. She's just gone. Sometimes it's cathartic for me, and sometimes it's like. She said a couple of days before she passed, she said, Steve, I'm talking to Jesus, and he's not hearing me. I had my first date with my wife on May 4th, 2019, our first date. Knew each other before then, but that was, our, that was our first date. And when my mom passed, it dawned on me. Those people that I had prayed would be, I would be in the rom-com relationship with. God, would you answer? God, please, I'm serious about this. Come on. Uh, God, would, would, you, would you do something, right? Make this happen. 14 years, I'm, wait, I'm waiting on, uh, hoping, hoping for this to happen. I, I had the thought, 
Yeah, those people weren't built for this. Those people weren't built to hear their husband scream and cry for an hour in the basement. They weren't built. God answers our prayers the way we would want them to if we knew everything that he knows. There's a, a lot of people talk about the stages of, of grief. And um, the, the last stage of grief, if you go to a therapist, is, uh, is acceptance. And uh, I, I realized a few months ago that I had gotten to the place of acceptance, that this is the reality of what had happened. And... Um, and um, I was introduced to uh, an actual lady who, who did a study on, on grief and actually said that there's, there's, another, uh, there's another level of grief, and the eighth level is the level of meaning. I want to read what, what she said in one of her books, and the words will come up on the screen. And, and this, is, this, is, this is the thought that I had on the other side of this is that what if God actually answered my mother's prayer and God answered my mom's prayer or answered Chris's prayer, God, heal my right side. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if the answer to the prayer, because we're in Christ, and because he's our father, that sometimes he says yes. And that yes is today. Right now. You're healed. And this is what was meant for me. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an acceptance, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people don't just happen. There is stuff that happens in life that we have a decision to make. Either we can, in a healthy way, process in community and others our grief and get to a place where we realize that God has meaning. Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, for the saving of many lives. And that there's actually something more than information that God wants to give you in your soul. More, more than more than prosperity, more than blessings, more than a romantic relationship. I want to shape you into something. 
I want to gift you with something that only difficulty can do. And if you make it out in a healthy way, you'll be the blessing to other people. He kept me. He keeps me. And I can't explain what he's done in my soul, but I'm different. But how can we trust? How can we trust? How can we know that God is everything? How, how can we know that God is trustworthy in such a way that we're not devastated with disappointment? We know because this is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus prayed himself, for himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he said, if there's any other way to do this, he says, let, my, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Yours be done. And in that way, in him saying, God, your will be done, it saved you and me. But not only did it save you and me, but the reality is that God doesn't ask us to do something that Jesus hasn't done already. That's why we can trust him. Not, not just something that he's done already, but under worse circumstances than anything that you will ever face. And so I hear Romans 8, 16, and 17 say, and we'll close on this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. How is that going to happen? provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Suffering is a prerequisite for that. A couple of years ago, before my mother got sick, I went on a retreat. And this lady, Pastor Derek, owned for an hour. Time it. Put, sit alone for an hour. And so I went and I sat alone for an hour. And I just, I get bored really easily, right? So I'm like one of those people that like this whole series has been like all up in my kitchen, right? And I sat in that for an hour. She said, I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. I want you to, I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. And it was a particular time when I was discouraged in ministry and I felt like I wasn't doing all the right stuff. And I, I, I felt like uh, all the qualifications of what it means to be a good pastor, like I, I wasn't meeting those things. I, I was doing things out of, out of duty and, and, and they didn't have my heart and you know, all these different things. And, and I felt a little burnt out on it. Um, and I sat and I listened and I waited and I listened and I waited and I listened and I waited and I listened. And I heard the Holy Spirit's voice say, Steve, you are my beloved child. I cherish you, man. 
I cherish you. I cherish you. And it was like a waterfall of like, but that can't be right. I haven't done all the right stuff. I, like, I, I don't even have like a great routine to my, to my life right now. Like, and then I, I, I realized that that's actually in Christ what the Holy Spirit says over all of us. That's his voice way more times than it is any voice of shame or, or even sometimes conviction. Steve, I cherish you. And, and here's, I guess here's the, the thing that I want to go home on. All I needed was to hear that. I don't got no more prayer requests. I don't got, old folks used to say, Jesus, if you hadn't done, don't, don't do another thing for me, you've done enough. That's why they used to say that. Man, that, that, I'm out of time, but that, that's what I want to share. Two verses that center us in such a way that make us ask, what, was I, what did I need again? What was I so worried about again? What was I bothered about? I can't even remember. But God still says, cast your cares upon me for I care for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your kindness towards us, for your word. God, I thank you that Because of grace, that, that, is, the, that is the reality. That, that is, like, sometimes we look at it and we're like, man, but that's not really, because that's never our experience, right? That, that's not really reality, right? But, but, but it actually is. And so I, I pray that in the midst of the series that we've talked about, solitude and silence, hearing your voice and orient our, orienting our hearts to you, God, I pray that that would be our heart's desire to orient our hearts to our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, be honored in my life with the way that I live. Allow me to be grateful for the things that you've given me and not rush to the next thing that I want out of life. God, align my desires with your will and your heart for what you want out of life and we're not willing to do yourself under harder circumstances. And so, Father, I pray that we trust you. I pray that we would orient our hearts to you in a way that glorifies you and honors you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.